really organically, really like spontaneously. It's not just going in there and making a noise, folks. <laughs> the Classic Rock Files with Kelly Parker and Mike Young. Hi, Mike. Hi, Kelly. So a story came up involving Kirk Hammett and Metallica and uh, one of Kirk's earlier bands called Exodus involving riffs that Kirk had come up with while in Exodus that he used in Metallica, which I thought was as common as hell with pretty much all guitar players, but maybe not. Yeah, I guess um, the idea of a person writing a riff and then not getting around to using it and then taking it to another band and using it there is probably far more common than a band that releases a song, uses that riff, and then the person takes the riff again and uses it in their next band. Yeah. I think that's a little bit more rare. So Metallica's looking back on their Ride the Lightning album. They were doing, him and Lars Ulrich were doing a track-by-track reflection on each song, and... The song Trapped Under Ice sports a riff that Hammett originally wrote for the Exodus song Impaler. And he said this, The riffs came from songs I had written, music I had written, and I consider them my parts. I don't feel guilty about that. I did feel guilty about leaving the band that I started in high school. Do you feel that a guitar player should be guilty about taking something that they wrote and gave to another band and repurposing it for a new band? A good example of this would also involve Metallica, and that was... um, the song The Four Horsemen, which was written when Dave Mustaine was in the band, released on their debut album. And then Dave Mustaine went to form Megadeth, and he took that riff and released a song called Mechanics on Megadeth's debut album, uh, which was more of a sped-up version of that riff to show that, hey, you guys think you're fast, you're speed metal, I'll show you what fast is. All right. And uh, so that's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Much closer together in terms of the, the timeline, but Dave Mustaine wrote that riff. Should he feel, is there an ownership that goes away? It's, it's yeah. almost like, a, I'm trying to apply this to other situations where like, okay, here's a good one. Say you get married. Okay. <laughs> I get married uh, and, or I even get engaged. And okay. then the engagement gets called off. We break up. Okay. Huh. The, the lady gives me the engagement ring back. Right. I take that engagement ring. And I repurpose it with my next girlfriend for that engagement. <laughs> should, I feel all, gui- should I feel guilty about that? First of all, I'm a big fan of this analogy. <laughs> right should I feel guilty about it? repurposing? Well, I mean... Even though it's my engagement ring to do with what I want. It's a great analogy uh, up until we get to the part, should you feel guilty? And I would say, yes, yes, you should. So, so should Kirk That's Hammett, where it kind of falls apart. Should Kirk Hammett feel guilty? I say no, in general. Hey, look, this is, again, he created this riff. They were maybe going to use it with Exodus. They did not, and he repurposed the riff. I see absolutely nothing wrong with that. It's interesting we should talk about this because this morning on uh, Get the Let Out, I played how many more times? And one of the things about that is Jimmy Page was talking about this. He said, we had songs from the Yardbirds that we called freeform, like Smokestack Lightning. And he said, where I'd come up with my own riffs and things, and obviously I wasn't going to throw all that away as they hadn't been recorded. So I remodeled these riffs, and I used them again. So the Boeing on How Many More Times and Good Times, Bad Times was an extension of what I'd been working on with the Yardbirds, although I'd never had that much chance to go to town with it and see how far you could stretch that Boeing technique on record. And obviously for anyone who saw the band, it became quite a little showpiece in itself. So he was working on that kind of stuff, including the way he used it in uh, those two songs, while he was with the Yardbirds, and then developed it more and used it in Led Zeppelin. If Jimmy Page can do it, I say go for it. I think I'm, a, I'm in agreement. If, if nothing's ever been released, or I think if it's been developed into a song that the band has performed, maybe even doesn't have to be officially released, but if they're performing it and it's been developed into a song yeah. that is by that band, I think at that point, like, you've given up your rights to that, and that's now uh, an exodus riff. Sure, it's not but, a plagiarism thing. But you can still use it if you want. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to feel guilty or not, but I think like, hey, 
you took an Exodus rift and built it into a song. The real question would be, though, in terms of a copyright. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any legal standing, because why would you try and sue somebody? But the, mega, the Dave Mustaine mechanic situation, mm-hmm. like it's literally the same riff because yeah. he wrote both. Could Metallica have sued oh. him and said, you took our song and, and use it as a basis? When he didn't take their song, he took the riff that he wrote. It's that a John wrote. Fogarty situation. Exactly. Well, I mean, this is why they have entertainment lawyers. I think immediately of Bo Diddley. The Bo Diddley beat. You always beat, the think Bo of Bo Diddley. Well, it's the best example of literally a riff being used by everybody else, most notably George Thorogood, but so many people. We're talking about the same thing. It's a riff that a guy wrote, and everybody else has repurposed it, never mind Bo Diddley himself doing it in other acts had he been in them. You know what I mean? So you're saying let the uh, sleeping dogs lie. You do you, Kirk. Don't feel guilty about that. Are people making him feel guilty? Is, is there some sort of Exodus guilt trip going on by Exodus fans? <laughs> I can't believe you left that band when you were in your teens and went to Metallica. How dare you? Look, it's the pandemic. Nobody's outperforming or doing anything else. Everybody's just doing their best in these interviews. They're hurling mud on the internet? <laughs> is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, we've got a story here that uh, I've read through several times and makes zero sense to me because I don't have this kind of business mind. But if you do, maybe you're interested in the fact that the Warner Music Group has announced that it has launched an IPO, an initial public offering of 70 million shares of its Class A common stock pursuant to a registration statement on Form S-1 filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. I uh, understand the Warner Music Group Corporation announced today part. After that, I'm a little hazy. This is um, a story that I think isn't important on the service unless you're interested in buying stocks, which will be between 23 and $26 U.S. per share, okay. they are guessing. But it'll be interesting to see how this does over the next couple of years. Obviously, a music group is in charge of many artists, Warner specifically, Linkin Park, Muse, the Chili Peppers, Green Day, Slipknot, uh, Rush's Catalog, etc. So yep. they've got a ton of acts on their bills, a ton of labels they represent, and they have 1.4 million copyrights spanning all kinds of musical genres. Which is the publishing side of it. Yes. There's all these different moving pieces, but it'll be interesting to see how this stock does, whether it continues to grow in value, whether it plunges, you know, because then people can get a real idea of maybe the health of the music industry. Even though I understood none of this story, that's the first thing that occurred to me. Given the state of, and every headline we've read about the music industry since Napster in the last 20 years. Doom and gloom. Doom and gloom about how it's just sick, 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 as sick as it could be. Why would they go public? Will anybody buy into the music business right now? We'll find out. Yeah, this is just, this is just an interesting piece, I think, because of uh, the stories about the music industry in the past, the health of the business. We've heard a lot about artists, and artists are taking a hit, you know, whether it be streaming revenues mm-hmm. or touring costs or how much money they actually get for every album sold, these record company contracts that are, you know, we'll, we'll advance you hundreds of thousands of dollars to make your album, but you don't get paid the cent until we get all that money back, you yeah, know, these types exactly. of things. So I'm not going to invest because you'd be a fool to invest <laughs> in the music industry. I was just going to say, if there's any time when people are taking chances with their finances, it's right now during the pandemic. But uh, I'll definitely be watching this just to see, you know, and, and maybe there's other companies that follow suit. That is the classic rock files 94.3 the drive music director mike young thank you thank you